0: The final Furlong Podcast with Emma Kennedy is proudly brought to you by All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app and get involved today. All About Sunday, we love racing. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with instant withdrawals and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.
1: Welcome along to the weekend preview. We've got Timeform's Mark Milligan in the house. Mark, welcome back to the show, my friend. Yes,
2: good to be back. Fresh from a, a really busy week at Royal last week, and we, we thought this week was going to be quiet, didn't we? We thought, oh, everything's going to be a little bit low-key this week. Some decent racing at the weekend with the Irish Derby, and then bam! Frankie DeTore gate erupts.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll do this in like a really deep voice in the edit. It's... <laughs> it's... Toala, it's, can you make this sound really deep? It's
2: Frankie De Tory watch on the Final Furlong Podcast. Either. <laughs>
1: That sounded more <laughs> like the guy from Scream. Do you like scary movies? Than anything else. But we'll, <laughs> we'll take it. Um, so, Dottori obviously got a roasting in the media from John Gosden after the ride on, on Stradivarius in the Gold Cup. Uh, his full belief is that Saga should have won as well. Martin Dwyer did not agree with that assessment. I don't think I do either. Um, at Rod Ascot, and of course, it didn't help that Reach for the Moon was beating the odds on afterwards. Uh I was saying to you that there was a great line that, uh, that John Gosden gave to Rishi in his interview with him on ITV. Uh, Rishi said, and, and what did Frankie say about Inspiral? And Gosden's response was, and I'm, I'm taking liberty here, but it was along these lines. Well, when Frankie finally stopped doing his other job, which is waving to the crowd, and I could actually get his attention and he could speak to me, Because I want the jockey to speak to me about the horse as soon as possible. Because I want their instant reaction. But he was too busy waving to the crowd. It's like, oh, man. oh He's just, any opportunity at all, he's getting stuck in. Um, I I get it. It was a mess last year on Stradivarius. And it was a mess this year. Uh, And you've prepped that horse. You've done all the work. You've produced him in in fine fettle. Uh, You've peaked him. The owner has been incredibly patient without retiring him to stud to be a national hunt stallion, but still, there's a lot of money in that. Um, you end up producing the horse two years in a row, and two years in a row, the jockey gets it wrong. I think Kiprios wins anyway, but he'd be a good second. Uh, and who's to who's to say Kiprios wouldn't have been nutted, and Stradivarius makes history. But this has all led to this story. Uh, Dittori misses out on Gosden Mount's a new market as Doyle and Havlin are called up. Now you were saying to me that he's currently in Sardinia and you had a good line from your time from a colleague, David Johnson, uh, who was saying something on Twitter, which I'd, I'd like you to expand on for us.
2: Yeah, um, it appears from Frankie Dottori's Instagram that he's he's been with his parents in Sardinia this week and David uh, tweeted, just a little while ago actually, uh, I'll just read the tweet verbatim, uh, Frankie being in Sardinia for a few days, by the looks of his Instagram, quite interesting. More so in light of recent events, but clear from his latest autobiography how he tends to head there in times of crisis. So we can infer from that. I haven't read Frankie auto latest autobiography, so I'm just relying on, on David here. But if it seems very much the norm when Frankie feels he's got his back to the wall that he heads to Sardinia, then we can infer that he feels his back is very much against the wall at the moment. And this has come to light by dint of John Gosden having several high-profile runners at Newmarket on Saturday, a meeting that Frankie Dottori is booked to take one ride at for Rafe Beckett. Um, but appears to have been overlooked for all the John Goston runners there.
1: Yeah, and there is a look. There are two in particular that are very high profile. Um, but you could push it out further, and uh, and and say that there is there is three there is um, three runners on Friday. Uh, Datoria is not booked for anybody. On Friday, and maybe he's coming back from Sardinia that day. Uh, maybe he's coming back from Sardinia as we record on, on Thursday. I don't know. But Goslin has three runners uh, split between Doncaster and Newmarket, uh, and then he has uh, these two high-profile ones: Stoll, who's a seventy-two shot with Kaluki and Sunray Major, who's favourite with Kaluki. Both of these horses, Frankie Dettori has a has a history with. Uh, he has ridden Stole on his last five starts. And uh, pretty much all of Sunray Major starts, I believe. Uh, Rob Rab- Havlin rode him on his second start. Uh, that was it. DeTorey's been on board six, seven times on, on this horse. He's, he's, ra- he's raced eight times. But he has not been booked for this. And you had another interesting quote from me, which was uh, yeah, and- a, a quote that was given out by, by his manager.
2: Yeah, a quote that's currently in the press attributed to Frankie de manager, Peter Burrell, who said, we're in the dark and searching for answers like everybody else. So it appears that John Gosden hasn't even notified Frankie de that he was being passed over for these particular rides, which is um, an interesting way to go about things.
1: They've also gone for two young, very talented writers. They've gone for James Doyle and Holly Doyle. And And Martin, I bring this up because Martin Doyle said, and you should absolutely listen to our Royal Ascot Review Part 1 if you haven't already, because Martin and his insight is absolutely on point. But when we talked about Stradivarius, he said... Perhaps Tratovarius could have benefited from being ridden by uh, a younger jockey who would have taken a braver, a braver route on him. Um, he basically broke it down to Dottori resembled a a footballer going to take a penalty in a World Cup final, wanting to be anywhere else but there. And I thought that was a really good way of explaining it. It was a really good way because he didn't look happy beforehand, and then he blamed everybody else, except himself. There wasn't even a little hint in the interview with Ollie Bell on ITV of maybe I could have done something else, Ollie. He didn't even say that. It was everybody else's fault. And um, Frankie Dettori has been very quick to criticise other jockeys in the past, so I'm not, I'm not feeling sorry for him. Um, and it's, it's weird that this is playing out in the way that it is, but it's very, very weird that he appears to be in the penalty box. Uh, and and maybe John Gosden has decided that the best way of dealing with Frankie is to do so publicly, to do it do it through the media, uh, and and not say, talk to him. Like our my producer on on Talksport two Ross will ring John Gosden to set up an interview. John Gosden is is very accommodating, so I don't see any reason why his manager can't have spoken to him. And if he's given that quote surely that's on the basis that he has rung John Gosden and hasn't spoken to him, or John Gosden is not available to speak to him. Not even Thady. So it's a a deeply, it's a very, very interesting story. They've got some uh, high-profile runners at Windsor on Monday, and if DeTorey is not on board those horses, particularly given Frankie's association with Coolmore, You know, he wrote Age of Kings in the Coventry, he was on board Tuesday in the 1,000 Guineas, he obviously won the 1,000 Guineas on Mother Earth last year, the Oaks on Snowfall, and they will use Frankie when they can. So if a John Gosden-trained, Coolmore-owned horse runs at Windsor on Monday night and Frankie's not on board, with Ryan Moore already committed to ride for Sir Michael Stout, despite the fact that he's contracted to Coolmore, that would be a very interesting turn of events as well. Um... And right now we can only speculate on that, but the fact that they are having runners on Saturday and Holly Doyle and James Doyle are on board, not for contractual reasons, not because they're contracted to the owners. I'll even push it out a little bit further, my friend. Piz Badil runs in the Irish Derby on Saturday. Frankie Joy is not on board. If Frankie was in the Curra on Saturday, I could understand it. But Frankie is available and is racing at Newmarket, and his boss, John Gosden, is gonna have two runners and he's not on either of them. That is very, very weird.
2: Here's something that's literally just gone through my mind at the moment you mentioned Pisbadil. Is it entirely possible that Frankie De Tori has turned down the ride on Pisbadil because he was expecting to be riding for his boss at Newmarket this weekend and now has rather publicly been passed over.
1: Well, if that's the case, that can only have come about, one would think, if John Gosden actually said, Frankie, I need you at Newmarket. I need Mm. you there. But then has gone off and booked other jockeys instead. Like Rob Hornby was talking about losing the ride on Westover. But I understand that. And he understands it because Colin Keane has a relationship with Judmont. Um, and you want to use the best jockey available, and Colin Keane's one of the best in the world. Um, But it is strange that a, a horse who clearly didn't handle Epsom, in fact, Donnica O'Brien said, is, said as much, that apparently Frankie said it to him. would know. Donnica has ridden in the derby. He won the Oaks. Uh, he's grown up around horses and, and worked on, on race horses, uh, ridden work on race horses uh, that... Aiden was training for, for the derby. He knows exactly what's what happens at, at Epsom and he would know that Pisbadil's action clearly wasn't suited to the undulations of Epsom. Um so did Frankie just go, No, or was it just not even a conversation this time around? Was Gavin Ryan always going to be on board? Um it's it's a weird one. Maybe th- that could be a good excuse for for John Gosden putting him in the penalty box, going, Well, I assumed he'd be on Pisbadil. So we didn't, we didn't bother booking him, but it's weird. It's extraordinary to think that you have a manager and a jockey, and we know this jockey is very good at talking to other trainers and owners. That he's on a break, and no, neither Len Franco nor his manager got in touch with John Gosden, nor did John Gosden get in touch with them. Like if they know they're going to be a New Market on Saturday, and they're taking a ride for Rafe Beckett, then don't, you know, the first rule of law, never assume. So it's it's very, very weird how this is played out. You could, you're absolutely right in that you could go in and do logic jumps, and come up with one and one plus two, so this is just a miscommunication. One plus and one plus one equals two. But, first rule of law, never assume. I don't think John Gosden would assume the Pizbidil is his ride, and I don't think that Frankie would assume I'm just going to rock up to Newmarket and be riding for the for the boss. I think all of this would be double checked, and he's not on anything. It's 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 bizarre. It is it is truly bizarre, and it's playing out in front of our, our very eyes. So,
2: yeah, I think uh, I think the the way it's playing out is not he's not doing it either party any favor really. Yeah. I think it's something that that needs a line drawing under it sooner rather than later. Otherwise, the likes of me and you will just continue to wildly speculate about what's going on um, when it could be very quickly put to bed.
1: Yeah. The other thing is, for as long as I've been a racing fan, Frankie Dettori has been a mega presence in the sport. He's the jockey who transcends our sport. He goes on... Is a question of sports still a thing? I don't know. Uh, he, but he would be on that show back when you would just watch terrestrial television and back when you'd flick through the channels. I don't do that anymore. Um, You just go to whatever it is you want. You go to Sky Sports Racing, you go to Racing TV, Paramount Plus, whatever it is you want. You just get it that way now. Um, But he has been the megastar of our sport. And Ruby Walsh is, without question, the best jumps jockey I've ever seen. Tony McCoy is one of the most talented and powerful jumps jockeys I've ever seen both retired on their own terms, both walked away from the sport. And when they did, it was like, well, jumps racing will never be the same. But the sport moves on. And it's great that we still get their insight on ITV and we get more of Ruby because we get him on racing TV as well with Lydia and and Gary and Nick. So there's still an active presence in the sport, but the sport does move on. Rachel Blackmore comes through and Paul Townend um, and, and plenty of others. And this sport doesn't stop. And Frankie is is still going, but is he's is he the Frankie de Tory of 10 years ago? Is it even possible at his age to be the Frankie de Tory he was? I don't think he is. And I think that there's been an example of some rides, particularly this season, that would make you raise your eyebrow a little bit and go, that's not the Frankie I know. Um, and I just, I wonder if this is the beginning of the end and it's, it's playing out in, in front of our very eyes. Um, but it—you would like to think it would be handled a bit better. But am am I over the top in that? Was was that an unfair thing to say? No, no, I
2: don't. I don't think so. I think you you're perfectly right in your assumption that Frankie de Dottori's is not the jockey he once was. He can't be. It's an impossibility at fifty-one years old. In a top level sport to be as good as you were even five years ago Mm. as a for instance and it's a tribute to his longevity that he's ridden at the top level for as long as he has but there comes a point when that aging curve is impossible to deny and and I think we've seen it more and more in some of Frankie Dottori's rides this season I think there's ample evidence out there to suggest he's not the jockey he was maybe even this time last year. Although you've got to be careful with writing some off like Dottori, haven't you? Because he's the kind of guy who could come bouncing right back and make you eat those words. But I- I'm kind of with you. I think we we might be starting to see the beginning of the end here.
1: Yeah. And this is where Frankie Dottori bounces back and slaps us all in the face. Um, you know, it's happened before, but I I didn't think he was done when his partnership with Godolphin ended. Uh, but I admired how how brilliantly he battled back. The thing is John Gostin was a major part of that. And you're kinda running out of roads, son. Um you know, if you're not if you're pissing him off, which he clearly has, then you're in a spot of bother. And everybody's seeing this. And so everybody else will start going, maybe Frankie's not the one to have on. Is Holly Doyle available? Let's get her. Is is uh, Tom Marquand available? Tom Marquand has come in for a few cool more rides recently, particularly in France. He was on Ancient Rome in the French 2000 Guinea's and the French Derby. So you start looking at, at other jockeys and, and start to, to wonder if the sport is going to, to make a... A massive change but hey let's let's see how this plays out it's the, the wounds i think he's
2: one right sorry his one ride on saturday will be interesting because he's he's basically a wounded tiger now isn't he he's a cornered beast yes and let's see if he comes out firing
1: yeah it's it's going to be intriguing to see how this plays out um and uh I, I don't think that's a i don't think that's an overreaction either i think that's absolutely spot on he is very much a a, a wounded animal and the last thing you want to do is go and challenge a cornered wounded wounded animal um, right let's see if we can get you some winners and I'm sure that the conversation will roll around uh, to to Frankie again but the 150 at Newcastle is where we're going to begin uh, we'll be covering all of this for you by the way Saturday on TalkSport 2 so if you're out and about uh, or if you, you can't Get in front of the TV if you want to be out in the garden doing some stuff. Uh, make sure you, you tune in. Uh, we'll have some special guests. And uh, we'll be bringing you the Irish Derby as well, which I'm, I'm very pleased to be doing. And let's get that off the chest. 50 euro? Are you mad? 50 euro for tickets for the Irish Derby. 10 or off if you book at the Curra.ie. Uh, I don't even know if that will apply by the time this goes live because maybe it's too late when, when you do that. But my God, that's obscene. Um, it, it really is, and no doubt they will blame the All Ireland quarterfinals being on. They'll uh, they'll say, "Oh, that's why we didn't have as many people there." No, no, you're pricing people out of the market, and it's not fair. Um, especially when you were t- the Curra were brilliantly taken to task by Richie Forrestal in the Racing Post uh, about the the lack of crowds for Irish Guineas weekend. If you combined those figures and had one day out of it, it would be great. But the fact that it was a two-day meeting, and that was the amount of people you got, massively disappointing. Um, anyway, I like the Kara, but you keep giving me you you keep doing things that I have to call out, and I don't want to be calling out the Kara. I want to be able to say what an amazing track it is. Uh, and what a terrific facility it is. But this kind of stuff just keeps on happening. And I'm not going to patronize our listeners. Because they're feeling it too. So, Kaluki, go. 4-1 to one about Strike Red in the 150 Newcastle. 5-1 to one about Rolf Rembrandt. Uh, it's 13-2 to two if you dare. And Julie Camacho and Jason Hart came up with Redetta as sevens. That's an temporary tiger for all the tip fans out there. 7-1, uh, to one. Sam and claims seven for the inform Dual Royal Ascot winning Carl Brock. My friend, who wins? None of those. (laughs) Hey, let's go up for the prizes. Let's keep going.
2: Going a bit further down and looking at a horse who I think could well be an all-weather specialist in Tommy DeVito. Suspect this horse. Well, I, I think it's more than a big suspicion. He's obviously had his share of problems because after his run... At Doncaster on the 5th of July 2020. We then didn't see him for a mammoth 481 days. And he came back in a handicap at Kempton last October, won that. He then was given a, another couple of months off and won a handicap on the all weather again at Southern. Ran a perfectly good race. An- another couple of months after that, he's seeing a pattern here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, another couple of months after that, when he, he ran second at Kempton. He then backed up after just three weeks at Lingfield, put in a poor effort, but he had excuses that day. He didn't have a good draw. He was trapped wide. He was dropped out a long way off the pace. Give him a pass for that, absolutely. He then backed up again just two weeks later. And, and this is a horse who we've been seeing since his mammoth break has been having a couple of months between his races. Backed up again two weeks later. Came out on the the turf at Doncaster. Didn't run very well. Prepared to forgive that. Maybe turf just isn't for him. But the key thing with Tommy DeVito now is we haven't seen him since the 30th of April. So we've got that nearly two-month break again. And a two-month break is something that this horse seems to thrive off.
1: So coming out of stall two, um, with Tom Marquand on board for Charlie Hills, 10-1 to with Kaluki, about Tommy DeVito, who's got that 56-day break and, of course, is a course and distance winner. Let's take it. Let's take it. Uh, Tommy DeVito to kick things off in style. Uh, right. Minnetonka heads the betting for our 205 as we switch to New Marcus. This is the Maureen Britain Memorial Empress Philly Stakes. It's a listed race, over six furlongs, and it's 5-2, to two. but Minnetonka for Richard Hannon and Jim Crowley. Um... Marl Sia, George Bowie and, uh, Kieran Schumark, 72. I know I butchered it up. There he is. Ladies and gentlemen, Franco, Franco, Franco de Tori, uh, Lezo, five to one, stole five. And, uh, I'm going to end it there uh, and kick on. We do have a horse called Absolutely Flawless, who we we talked about on the podcast uh, a couple of times this season. We won a Chester for us earlier on the season. And, um, Ran uh, a fine race against Starved That she's a, an old favorite of yours, isn't she?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that the the stable um, before those those two wins were were very complimentary about her, saying that they they thought she was one of the the best that they had. But I'm, I'm going to concentrate on a horse in here, a filly in here, who I think we spoke about last week on the Royal Ascot podcast, Philly called Believing. Well, we did. Who's yeah. trained by George Bowie, ridden by James Doyle. And she was due to run in the Albany last week. Mm-hmm. And she played up in the stalls and ended up having to be withdrawn. And I think we spoke, um, certainly on that podcast last week, about the remarkable run that she put in at Wolverhampton last time, when she missed the kick by around about 10 lengths in a six furlong race. That's right. And still came through to be a really comfortable winner. Now, clearly this is a filly who's got some issues at the stalls um she was very slowly away at wolverhampton last time she played up in the stalls last week at royal ascot so clearly there's a little bit of risk involved here and maybe if you're going to back this filly you might want to be backing her really late Have, have your finger over the button wait for her to go into the stalls make sure she's She's really calm, but I do believe this is a filly with a lot, a lot of talent. But having said that, there are one or two others in here that look really talented as well.
1: So it sounds as though Believing is not going to be your overall selection, but definitely is a horse that we should be looking out for. As you said, have the have your your betting apps open and be ready to pounce uh, if she goes in and doesn't give any difficulty. Uh, but who is your overall selection going to be, Mimmi?
2: Yeah, I, I wrote a column last week um, about the Albany and believe I put Believing up as a, a selection without the favourites in that particular race. And I, I, I actually believe, given that she'd run second to Morge on her debut at uh, Newmarket, that she might well have made the frame. And I wouldn't put anyone off having an each way better on her in here, but we're going to speak about that man again, Frankie Dottori.
1: Oi, oi. He's on
2: Lezu for Rafe Beckett here, a filly who won on debut at Bath over five furlongs. And what impressed me was the fact that the time figure was really good that day. So I think she's a filly with a lot of talent. I was prepared to take her. Mini Tonka will take loads of of money in here because she was a massively impressive winner on debut. She won by seven lengths at Salisbury, but the time was only ordinary, and I can't get past that. That just worries me a little bit. So I prepare, I'd be prepared to take her on with Lezu because I think that she backs up better time wise.
1: How interesting will it be if uh, Frankie Dettori rides a winner on the day, um, and the Gosden horses don't don't perform, or maybe the Gosden horses win and Frankie wins, and it's just a message to everybody: you know what? These two can part ways and still win. They can still have success. Uh, but it, it is very intriguing. I think even the booking of Frankie is, is fascinating. Um, so Lezou for Rafe Beckett, who is currently operating at a 67% runners to form percentage, courtesy of the Racing Post, uh, with Frankie on board. Five to one with Kaluki. So overall, if if Believing behaves herself, is Lezu still your overall selection?
2: Yeah, I think, I think so. I think there are just, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of believing, but I think she comes with risks attached given that she appears to have an aversion to the stalls. So at those kind of prices, I think I'd be with Lazoo, given the impression she made on debut and the time that that race was running.
1: Okay. Well, as we record, five to one is the best price and it's available with Kaluki right now. So, uh, don't wait act now or you'll miss out. Uh, back to Newcastle to the old weather. Have you noticed that we've changed our running order this week? Yeah, we're not going meeting by meeting. We're going chronologically. It's all because this is what we're doing at Talksport so I decided because you have to obviously because the races are coming up thick and fast. Uh but yeah, we decided we just uh, alter things around. Uh 225 is a group three over six furlongs. Sense of duty for William Haggis and Tom Marquand, nine to four with Kaluki. Spycatcher with first-time cheekpieces. Carl Burke, Clifford Lee, 100 to 30. Glenn Shield really like this horse, and uh, chances at the weekend. Uh, five to one was sevens this morning, uh, but Kaluki got knocked over. So fives now. Holly Doyle on board for Archie Watson. And uh, Ebro River, Hugo Palmer and Ben Curtis is currently a six to one shot. Take it away, my friend. Yeah,
2: sense of duty for William Haggis has done nothing wrong, really, in her short career to date. She beat Floaters by a neck in a listed race at Haydock last time, and that's a race that's working out quite well, but this is a different kettle of fish altogether taking on these hardened sprinters at Group 3 level. And in Glen Shield, even though he's eight years old now, she's taking on a gelding who's proven at the top level. He was second... To creative force in the champions sprint at Ascot last October. He made a perfectly good reappearance when second behind Brad the Brief at Haydock last time. It's a little bit further behind Brad the Brief last time, but I think the return to Newcastle, a track where he's got a really good record, I think he's got three wins from five starts and has been placed on the other two there. This is essentially a horse who, while I think it's a stretch to say he's now a Group 1 horse at the age of eight. He's probably at least a Group 2 horse, and he's in a Group 3 race here, and he's not favourite.
1: Yeah, he he's won three of his previous five starts at Newcastle. And he doesn't look to be... Like, in those, in those two runs, uh, you could very easily say, well, he doesn't look the horse that he once was. But my impression was it was just they needed him to to get going he was very well backed at haydock um beaten three and a quarter lengths and then he's there's more of a distance between him and brad the brief at the Curra. but i just feel like i i trust the horse and i trust his his connections to have him spot on um and i, I would be i'd be all I'm, I'm all over him already but i'm even more all over him now um that uh the great Mark Mulligan is, is in agreement. So let's go. Uh, Glenn shield five to one with Kaluki and is being supported. Uh, the Q 40 back to new live on ITV and racing TV going is good. By the way, uh, of course, with this weather we're having, which is, uh, fantastic. We, as you said though, before we came on air, if it was raining, we'd be complaining. Uh, we're currently complaining about how humid it is. Like, Oh my God, it's so hot. Uh, you can barely do anything in this. E- I struggle in it. And, um, Mark was talking about how he had to open a window in his studio. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, there's a window open here as well. By the way, I don't,
2: I don't, I don't often open windows. I don't, I don't like. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those. I'm one of those weird people who gets easily distracted by outside noise. And wherever possible, I prefer to have my windows closed. But even I had to give in and open a window this afternoon. Well, I,
1: listen, take take lessons from somebody who never gets easily distracted. Right, you, you just need to focus on what you're doing and that way you can have a window open the whole time oh look a squirrel <laughs> probably the person who gets most easily distracted uh, so the last thing I should be doing is having a window open but uh, it's too hot uh, Rebels Romance Godolphin are in control of this market uh, Rebels Romance with William Buick on board is 7-4 to four. the other Charlie Appleby runner Kamari James Doyle 11-4 uh, and here's John and Thady Gosden at New Market with uh, Stoll, the first of who should be a Frankie de Tory mount, and he has been on board uh, on all these most recent starts, but Rob Havlin gets the call instead. 7-2 with Kaluki. Uh, Callum Shepard for David Simcock. Uh, Universal Order is currently a fours, and then you're up to the double-figure prices of 10-1 to one with something enticing. Jim Crowley and Andrew Balding, 10-1 to one with Kaluki. Okay, my friend, where are you looking?
2: Yeah, I think there's a possibility that Rebels' romance, if he gets back to the horse that they've always thought he was, could end up being too good for these. But let's be perfectly honest looking at his last two starts out in Maidan, he comes with massive risks attached. Mm. He was a horse who they thought was going to be a Dubai World Cup horse. And he won the UAE Derby there last year. They then gave him the summer off to to basically prep for the Dubai World Cup this year. And he's just been absolutely battered on both his starts at Maidan, beating 25 lengths and 27 lengths. You then throw into the mix that he actually hasn't even yet made a turf start in his career. So we've got no idea as to how he's going to handle the surface. His two UK starts were both on the all-weather. when he, He looked a really good horse, to be fair. He did. But you know, you know those. He just showed very, very little interest in those two maiden runs. For me, got a long way behind. He just did not look the same horse, and I'm not sure I'd want to be with him at seven to four. To we, be perfectly honest, we should
1: emphasize, by the way, like he's been supported in the in the market. He was eleven to four this morning. Um, so thanks to the crew at Kaluki because they've they've given me the the market moves as well. Uh, so as we're recording, he's seven to four. He was. Eleven to four, uh, this morning, and they've had that support. But his last two runs, as you mentioned, he's been beaten like a handicapped chaser. Yeah. He's been twenty-five lengths and twenty-seven lengths.
2: My, my my take here is that you know this horse, and I know for a fact they've always thought a lot about him. They've always thought he was a, a proper horse. But unless you've got any inside knowledge, how could you seriously? back this horse at a short price you're literally just guessing aren't you mm. really you have because to we don't know how much we we don't know how much ability he's got left
1: yeah you, you have to go on the notion that he he was a group 2 winner in march of last year in Maidan. so and he was sent off uh 9 to 4 joint favorites in saudi arabia for one of their uh, big races as well for the uh the saudi derby where he was beaten 5 lengths finished fourth so you're, you're basically going on that reputation. He's bounced back at Maidan then to win the, the group two. But as you said, they've given him, either he had a, an injury of some kind or they've given him time off to bring him back with the idea being he'll win the Dubai World Cup for us or at least be our number one contender. He's beaten at odds on and then beaten it again at a pretty short price on his next start out of sight and suddenly they're bringing him to the UK. I, I'm not prepared to pay seven to four to find out if he's a group uh, no,
2: it's, uh, it's just pure guesswork, isn't it, totally. on our behalf?
1: Yeah, and, and it's a great point to make about the fact that he's never run on turf before, yet he's a 7-4 to shot. So part, part and parcel of, of betting is trying to find races where there's uh, a dodgy favourite. Well, I think we found one. So who are we going to tackle him with then?
2: Yeah, I'm going with last year's winner of this race, Universal Order, who mm-hmm. shaped Ascot and May as though he very needed very much needed his comeback. And then he ran in a handicap at Haydock last time, giving the best part of a stone to the winner, contact, who's a really upwardly mobile handicapper trained by um, David and Nicola Barron, who ran he ran an absolutely stonking race in the Duke of Edinburgh. At Royal Ascot last week, so that form looks rock solid. You've got a horse who we know he's proven on the track. He's proven in the race. He won the race last year. Callum Shepherd gets on really well with him. He he has ridden him to to win the race. I, I say sorry, not last year. It was twenty twenty because this horse this horse had some time off with injury. But that ra- that run at Haydock last time suggests to me that he retains all his ability. I thought there was. There were doubts amongst all his um, opponents here. Rebels Romance has got doubts. Kimari, I'm not convinced he's quite the same horse he once was, having been with him at York last time. Stowell has seemed a bit flat on his last couple of starts. Universal, he comes here, and he comes here in good form. We know that from his good run last time. Thought he was the safest option um, in a race where plenty had doubts over him.
1: He did best of those held up last time at Haydock too. I thought that was a really eye-catching performance. Um, and he's my selection in the race. So we're both with universal order. And um, let's go uh, with the current declarations. I was looking at this last night. Uh, the The maximum allowed field for this race would be 18. They got five. Jeez. Anyway. Uh, we'll switch to the curta. Where the railway stakes... Has always been an informative race. So pop quiz, hot shot, Aidan O'Brien's got a terrific record in this. How many times has he won it in the last decade? Don't look at your screen.
2: I would say, off the top of my head, seven.
1: Now, that would be a very, very reasonable guess. But I'm going to say something that's going to shock you. Twice. Really?
2: Yep. That does surprise me.
1: Yeah. he's he seems to have changed his targets now that's not to say that he won't win it this year by the way um and and they do they do mix things up each year at Ballydoyle in the, in the constant quest to be the best uh, but this was a race that he farmed for years for years and years and it's become Jar Lyons has won it uh, as many times as Aiden has in, in the last decade and, and Jar targets this race specifically. So we'll see, because we've got a number of horses who skipped Royal Ascot, um, notably uh, Johnny Murtis' horse, uh, but we've also got uh, horses who competed at the Royal Meeting. Uh, Blackbeard, obviously, who ran in the Coventry, uh, along with his stable companion, Age of Kings, who gets a first-time tongue-tie. Wayne Lorne will be on him. Blackbeard, understandably, will be ridden by Ryan Moore. Uh, Crispy Cat, who... Connections, Kia Jabrakhan, the owner, and Michael Callahan were absolutely convinced he would have won at Royal Ascot had he not been interfered with by that villain, the Riddler. Um and whether or not they are right remains to be to be seen. Uh Joseph O'Brien's got Apache Outlaw with Declan McDonald on board and uh, Shartash for Johnny Merton. Ben Cohen uh, is going to be well fancied as well. Uh, what is your your take on, on the railway stakes?
2: Yeah, I kind of went round and round in circles when I was studying this race because there are so many interweaving form lines, aren't there, in here. The the likes of Blackbeard and, and Crispy Cat who've already faced each other and there's literally nothing between them. Of course, we had Blackbeard who ran fourth in the, the Coventry and Age of Kings was only a couple of lengths behind it. Shartaj, Shartaj, sorry, he beat, Age of Kings by a nose, didn't he? Mm. Last time, I just thought for for a for a race that's not attracted a particularly big field, it was it was an absolute riddle to, to try and unpick, and I kind of just defaulted to Aidan O'Brien basically because I've been a fan of Blackbeard since I saw him win his debut at Dundalk in April, and I'm a big fan of the no nay never and I'm just I'm not absolutely convinced that we saw the best of, of Blackbeard last week at Royal Ascot and, and I would I, I'm not completely convinced he was in, in love with the really quick ground there either um, not sure what we're going to get at the, the Curragh on Saturday I think it's good officially
1: yeah the, at the profi- moment. official going is good and, and the weather forecast is, is pretty solid here as well it's, it's supposed to be um not so much sunny, but it's going to be dry for the next couple of days. So unless they they water buckets, there's, there's no reason to think it won't be anything but good, but it's not going to be good to firm.
2: No, I, I I don't think it's a race that you can be too dogmatic about because we know if Blackbeard runs his race, Crispy Cat runs his race, there's not going to be much between them. We know if Age of Kings runs his race and Shartash runs his race, there's not going to be much between them either. Mm. Um, it was. It, I just thought it was a minefield, and I sided, albeit very tentatively, with Blackbeard simply because I think he's a bit better than he could show at Royal Ascot last week.
1: I think you're right to go with him. He's, I think he's the oldest horse in the field. Is that right? He was definitely the oldest horse in the Coventry. Maybe I'm just being uh, somewhat lazy and going with the, the assertion that he's he's going to be the same. Uh, it's going to be the same situation here. Um, we'll quickly find out. Having sped things up there, uh, thanks to, to Alla, uh Shartash, Blackbeard, and Age of Kings would be the oldest sources in this race by virtue of just the few days. Blackbeard is the oldest, um, but there's only six days between him and Age of Kings. I re the Coventry several times today and I focused on Blackbeard, and I focused then solely on Age of Kings, and my reading of it for both was I thought Blackbeard ran a, a fine race, but Age of Kings almost certainly wasn't suited by the good to firm ground, and I it was a similar enough conclusion for for Blackbeard as well. Uh, I've also seen Aidan the Brown Horses, and we've seen this in the past, get beaten in the Coventry, and then prove themselves. A, that's as good as they are, and there'll never be anything other than that. Or B they're much better than that, it just may have came too soon in their careers. And for all the fact that uh, Blackbeard had three starts going into it, and so you would think has had plenty of experience, I thought he travelled very well but didn't quicken in the way Ryan was expecting him to. An Age of Kings, Frankie had to get busy on early enough in the race. So you're now in a much smaller field, six runners, and you have the benefit of that run. And I don't think there's a whole lot between them, but given the fact that Blackbeard is 15 to 8, Age of Kings is 9 to 2, I wouldn't put you off either. I think it's up to you would to decide. You be a,
2: would you be a tad disconcerted by the first time tongue-tie on Age of Kings?
1: Little bit. Little bit. I, I wonder what Frankie said to Aiden that made them do that, or what Aiden has found at Ballydoyle to, to make them do that. Um, the last thing you want on the pedigree sheet is breathing issues. But perhaps this will bring out the necessary improvement. Um, and Wayne Lorden has has claimed plenty of good prizes uh, for Aiden O'Brien and won this race for his former boss David Watchman back in 2013. So, um, you know he was on board at, at Nase when he was beaten by Shartash. Um, and you know Shartash comes in here fresh. Uh, he's got a verdict over Age of Kings already. Was behind Tough Talk, who I, I believe. The plan was to go. With, for this race with, with tough talk but uh Gerlions hasn't declared him um, so I, I would default Aiden and I would default to, to one of Blackbeard or, or Age of Kings and it comes down to a price thing do you want to take the, the 15 to mm-hmm. 8 or do you want to take the the 9 to 2 um, I wouldn't put anybody off Age of Kings I think he's better than he showed in the commentary. and I think it's very interesting they decided to go because what in the interview I did with Aiden O'Brien um, for Ryle Ascot he was emphasising when talking about the the Coventry, and fair play to him, he came straight out and said, Blackbeard and Age of Kings are going for the Coventry. Uh, Little Big Bear might go for it, but is more likely to go for the Windsor Castle. But he mentioned all three as saying, we do also have the railway stakes later in the month. And yet, here is the railway stakes. Those horses went for the Coventry and they're back here. So I think that's intriguing. And he's done this before. He's backed horses up from... So, he has a good record of taking horses from the Coventry who disappointed and then running them in the ra- in the Phoenix. So he's not waiting for the Phoenix. He's going straight it. He's going for the railway and I think that's intriguing. So um, if you want to be on, on Blackbeard, I wouldn't put anybody off. If you want to go Age of Kings, I wouldn't put anybody off. But your selection is Blackbeard.
2: Yeah, I think I would just side with Blackbeard. I just this is a puzzle wrapped up in an enigma, in an enigma for me. This race, that's <laughs> easy for me to say. I just uh, you, you could take Blackbeard, Crispy Cat, Age of Kings, Shartash, even Apache Outlaw. You wouldn't be in the least bit surprised were any of those to win, would you? It's that kind of race.
1: It is. I, I'll tell you what. I'll go with Age of Kings, and I'll, I'll I'll do so on the basis of the fact that that market move for him was extraordinary. He was 7 to 1 in the morning. The opening show is fives. He sent off threes. And yet, there was a weight of market support for Blackbeard as well. And normally, we've said this before, for big stables, be it Aidan O'Brien, John Gosden, Charlie Appleby, Syed Bin Saror, um, William Mullins. When a big stable has a horse that goes off at a price that is counterintuitive to what we know about them. Like, I liked Age of Kings for the Coventry, but the price didn't make any sense on the day. They might disappoint on the day, but you'll see later on that the stable was right. That weight of confidence was correct. So I'd, I'll go with Age of Kings in the hope that the tongue tie more improvement and that that market move is something that we can read into and, and learn a bit more. Right, Frankie Dittori will not be on board. Sunray Major. Uh, so as this horse is running, and if he goes to win, uh, this will be an insight into Frankie DeTore's mind. Oh! <laughs> you won't even sit around to wait and see if the horse wins. You won't want to know. Uh, so James Doyle's on board, and Kaluki go 15-8 to about Sunray Major, who gets cheek pieces for the first time. Jim Crowley is on board Roger Varian's Lankesh at 2-1, to and you've got Pogo at 4s. All right, is Frankie going to miss out on a winner here? My man.
2: Yeah, I think he probably is. Um, regular listeners will know that I was with Lanakash at Haydock last time, and he just fa- he failed by a oh, nose to, cruel. to reel in to reel in Pogo that oh. day, who reopposes here today. But just a half a length further back was Sunray Major, who in the early stages of the race was a lot further back than Pogo and Lanakash, and I think at the risk of going all John Gosden here, I'm not sure it was Frankie de Torre's finest hour, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. Stick Um, stick that knife in. Stick that knife in his back. (laughs) And this is a horse who, look, let's be honest, I think he should have won that race. If he'd been positioned a bit close to the pace, I think he would have won. I don't know. If so, buts so it, so He was only beaten half a length, having I mean, been a lot further back than Pogo and Lani Cash, He gets the first-time cheap pieces here, which might perk him up and allow him to show a little bit more early interest. I think he's a horse who they've always thought was pattern class. I think this is the day he proves it.
1: Sunray Major, to get the job done and to have Frankie DeTore's expression be like that of an individual who has just had someone piss in their cornflakes? The <laughs> three thirty at Newcastle is the Northumberland Plate, uh, where Roginski for Harry Davis and Hugo Palmer nine to two. Harry Davis has ridden, I think, one more billion winners this season. Uh, to quote the amazing film Morbius, "Do not watch that film. Save yourself. Save yourself." But the, I'm, I'm enjoying the Morbius memes and the. Uh, He's made five more billion dollars. Uh, we've got Trushan, an non-runner at Royal Ascot, not once but twice due to the ground, but they said this would be his target afterwards and uh, Holly Doyle will be on board for Alan King. He's currently a six-to-one shot with Kaluki Sportsbook and they go sixes about our old friend Valley Forge uh, as well, uh, horse who was put up, I believe, the first time you were on the show. My man, maybe it was your second week on the show. Uh, Valley yeah, Forge, our, yeah. It was your first week and he was sevens. Or was he eights and cut all the way down to fours? Yeah. So, uh, your first your first appearance on the show, and you bang in a seven to one winner for us. Uh, is Valley Forge somebody who's very high on your shortlist? Is Trushan going to outclass this field? What do you think?
2: I did have Valley Forge on the shortlist. I think it would be an incredible performance were Trushan to defy ten stone eight he races off he, he was six in the race last year and he raced off a two pound low mark there but effectively he was off seven pounds the book was taking off five as well so it, it would just be an astonishing performance wouldn't it if he could defy 10 stone eight as good as True Trushan is I'd be surprised if he could do that Valley Forge as I said did have him on the shortlist, but there's a man, a trainer, a master of his craft, who starts to come to the party at about this time every year. And one of his projects at about this time last year was a horse called Summer's Knight. The trainer in question, the Baronet himself, Sir Mark Prescott on the 13th of June last year Summer's Night won a handicap at Doncaster off a mark of 63 he then won let's count them up one, two, three four more times culminating off a mark of 88 at Haydock in September he's been bumped up to 97 and And he was beaten quite a long way behind Nate the Great at Newmarket last time. But I I tell you what, I think that was absolutely million percent just a prep race for this. A get-it-ready race, because Sir Mark Prescott knows exactly what he's doing here. Summer's night runs off 96. I think there's still races to be won with him off 96. He's drawn in five. That's a really good draw for a race that takes place quite close to the first bend. I can see the baronet starting to come to the party with a big win
1: here. Summer's night. Luke Morris hailing a cab. Um, <laughs> it was O'Reilly gave horse at right last gun. I was like, "Who is that? Who is that? Who is- he's not. He's what? not aesthetically pleased. Who is he's this Louis insane Morris. Frenchman who's come up? Oh, it's Luke Morris. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Listen, he is what he is, and um, he gets you winners. Uh, 14 to 1 with Kaluki about summer's night and I'm not going to argue with that I think he made a great point about Trushan as well for all but he's a very very talented horse he will need to be uh, to get the job done there so 14s we'll find out who the nap of the weekend is uh, by the way after the Irish Derby so Tuesday has been supplemented for the race and uh, Ryan Moore will be on board and is now favourite so Tuesday Aidan O'Brien Ryan Moore 11 to 8 favourite the Oaks winner, for the Dubai Duty Free Irish Derby. Westover is 7-4, to four, second favourite Colin Keane and Rafe Beckett. Uh, then Hannibal Barca for Shane Cross having a second start for Joseph O'Brien. Eights, uh, Lionel. Lionel. Now, Lionel Messi was named after Lionel Messi, so it should be Lionel, if this horse was named after Lionel Messi. His, his father is a big... I'm not joking, by the way. This is true. He's a, he's a big Lionel Richie fan, so... Uh, let's say Lionel, Jamie Spencer, David Manoussi, eight, and then Piz Badil, who was Frankie's ride in the Derby, but returns to Gavin Ryan now, and uh, clearly didn't act at the track, and Donnick O'Brien's horses are in terrific form. All right, take it away, my friend.
2: Yeah, we'll start with Westover, who I think, I, I, I'm not telling anyone that they, anything they don't know here, that he was a little bit unlucky in the derby itself. He wouldn't have beaten Desert Crown. He wasn't going well enough to take that gap when he got chopped off at the point when Desert Crown just came sauntering past him. But I think you can make a very cogent argument that Westover would have finished second to Desert Crown at Epsom. Tuesday, I think she was probably a shade lucky to beat Emily Upjohn, who again... Was it Frankie Torre's finest hour in the Oaks? He could do nothing about what happened at the start, could he? No. he, he, he let's be honest. She was she was down on her knees at the start. There's nothing could have done about that. He did go very wide off Tattenham Corner, though. Whereas Ryan Moore saved all the ground, and I think ultimately that was the difference between the two. Tuesday's intriguing in here, getting three pounds from the Colts. She she doesn't excite me though I mean, am I wrong to say that she doesn't read, she's just not sophilia excites me
1: how dare you <laughs> listen it's up to you I mean it's 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 your choice I, I think that you know, we can't just be um, throwing plaudits on horses left right and centre I thought she was she was great in the Oaks and what impressed me most about her I mean I wasn't I didn't I wasn't on her uh, that day I, I didn't back her but what impressed me about her was that was her birthday you know, that, that was officially obviously she turned three in January, but her foaling date was was the date of the Oaks, the 3rd of June. So she was only turning three then. She'd already been placed in two classics, and now she comes out and wins one. Um, Can I I, ask you a question? Of course you can. can, Yeah. This
2: is something that, I had a discussion with my son about this earlier in the week. Is she running here simply because Aidan O'Brien's middle distance three-year-olds are not that good this year?
1: Yes, I would I would say so. I think that's a very, very fair point. I think that's exactly why. Um, I like changing of the guard, and I don't think... I don't think the Derby saw him to best effect, and he probably needed it. He probably wasn't at it. I mean, He's probably still feeling the effects of that when he won at Royal Ascot, and I think the fact that he won it all... The fact they even ran was remarkable, because... They were debating whether or not to, but Aiden was, at the time when we did the Stable Tour, he was very much of the view, no, we'll, we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait with him. Uh, but they could have come here, and they chose Royal Ascot instead, and that's telling in itself. You just go for a Group 2 and not a Group 1. So I think there's a question over Stone Age. Uh, I don't think they'll run him over a mile four again. Um, we haven't seen Point Lonsdale since the 2000 guineas, He's entered for the arc along with Stone Age I think they're the only two three year olds to have an arc entry Uh, three year old Colts, the rest of them are are older horses who are entered for the race like Broom Um, and Tuesday has developed, like Tuesday doesn't have an arc entry for example but she has developed into being their leading middle distance horse and it's telling that this is a race that Aiden has had multiple runners in in the past yet they're only having the one runner this year and it's Tuesday
2: (laughs) Can we make an assumption that? um, Luxembourg off the back of his good run oh. at Newmarket, Guineas. Let's assume I, I'm, I'm coming up with plenty of hypotheticals here, but let's assume Luxembourg had just a small, the Guineas, and was now right again. And they were coming to this race now with Luxembourg. You'll see where I'm going here when I eventually get to the end of this um, long. Spiel. Um, <laughs> is it fair to assume? Is it fair to assume Luxembourg would be favourite here
1: in this market? Yeah, I think so. Um, in, in this market. Uh, yeah, in, in here, in here, we have a horse who finished
2: just two lengths behind Luxembourg at Doncaster last year, Hannibal, Barca. and who I think is going a horse who's going to be even better over a mile and a half. Everything about Hannibal Barca suggests to me he's crying out for a mile and a half, and I think he's really overpriced in this spot.
1: He's currently 8-1 to one, uh, with with Kaluki, and um, obviously he he transferred ownership. He was owned by the Sangsters and by um, Anne-Marie O'Brien, uh, but went into training with Brian Meehan and uh, has been privately and has now moved to, to Joseph Ryan. He's got off to a winning start at the Curragh. Um, right, talk to me. Uh, is it is it that Luxembourg yeah, form us. line?
2: Um, it's a bit of both. It's the Luxembourg form line and the, the trainer change and the fact that I think this horse is just crying out for a mile and a half. He's just been an embryonic middle distance horse from day one. I think, Hannibal Barca. They paid 500 grand for him, so he didn't come cheap. They're clearly expecting big things here. thought that was a really good run um, at Doncaster in Group 1 company when he's beaten just two lengths behind Luxembourg. He did what he needed to do on his comeback run, at the Curra over a mile and a quarter, still looked a little bit green that day. I thought it's rolled around a little bit under pressure, but I think we're gonna we're absolutely not gonna see the best of this horse until he tackles a mile and a half, maybe even a mile and six, and the St Ledger in time. But I just think there's plenty of untapped potential here for a horse who's only had four starts.
1: Hannibal Barca eight to one with Kaluki. Uh, I will stick with Pisbadil who are backed for the derby it didn't go to plan there and hopefully gavin ryan can have a, a great day in the sun for for donica um and it would be something else for for donica to win this race as a trainer considering he trained he, he rode the winner of it, um brilliantly uh, by the way uh, for for his brother on latrobe um back in 2018 so I think it's only a matter of time before he wins this race, and I think Bispediel is good enough to do it, but Tuesday is a fascinating runner, and thank you so much for bringing up Luxembourg, because it makes me relive the horror of the fact that I had him at 20s for the Derby all <laughs> over again. Oh. Sorry for opening up old wounds. Oh. Um, right, it's a shame Desert Crown's not in the race, but uh, we got the Oaks winner in Tuesday, and she will be a, a big test. At uh, time form, by the way, have... I think the, the official rating was... Uh deal 127p Hannibal Barca 123 yeah Westover is rated higher Westover is 12, 136p Tuesday 134p but uh, we'll see how it plays out that's Pisbadil for me and it's uh, Hannibal Barca for Mark Milligan Mark who is your nap of the weekend
2: I'm going with Glenn Shield in the 225 at Newcastle I think he's just got a bit of a class edge on that field
1: Let's go! Uh, that means that my map of the weekend can be Universal Order. Happy days. So we're, we're going to rake in the cash over the weekend. Uh, Glen Shield, Universal Order, Age of Kings, Sunray Major, Summer's Night, Pizbid Deal. Let's go. Pay is now, folks. Uh, Kaluki, rack up the cash. We're cleaning you out this weekend. We're taking it all, son. Um, and the... Uh, That'll be an enjoyable, enjoyable weekend. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for your company as always. Very much enjoyed the analysis of the weekend. And uh, O'Sheen Murphy will be here to break it all down on Monday. So we'll go back over the uh, Irish Derby. And of course, uh, Mark returns on Thursday to preview the weekend's racing. Um, You can read Mark on Betfair and you can also read uh, his content on Timeform as well. Mark, as always, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Again, a massive thanks for making us, I don't think Mark is aware of this, uh, number one and number three during Royal Ascot on Apple Podcasts in Ireland. And uh, we're very high in the UK as well. Thank you. Superb, stuff. That's amazing. We we might be with Spotify, but they play nice with Apple. And um, 80% of our listenership comes from Apple devices. So thank you so, so much. Be it uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, iPads, iPhones, it all comes there on the analytics. It's amazing, but thank you so so much. We really appreciate it, and um, hope you're enjoying the content. All right, uh, we're back with you on Monday with Oshin Murphy. Till then, uh, you can also listen to Talk Sport Two Saturday on air from one o'clock with a special racing live, including coverage of the Irish Derby uh, from the Curra as well, where it's fifty euro ticket. Uh, will Frankie ride a winner, or will Gazan get a double without Frankie? We'll find out over the weekend and analyze it with Oshin Murphy Monday. Till then, have a great weekend. God bless.
0: The final Furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The latest trainer to join our ranks is Donald McCain. To join us, download the app or visit allaboutsunday.com. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. And by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. Kaluki offer betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, with in Sint withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki also have betting pitches at tracks across the UK, including additional ones at Cheltenham. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk.